This is the Morning Sports Desk for Monday, November 6th. Corey, a busy, busy weekend across central Minnesota. We have a whole ton to get to, but first we're joined by Staples Motley play-by-play guys, the voice of Cardinal football. Tyler Grunwald joining us live on the morning sports desk. Hey, Tyler, good morning. How's it going? Great. How are you guys doing? Pretty darn good this morning, Tyler. Uh, You know, Staples Motley football uh, had a big turnaround this season. They uh, didn't get a win all of last year, but then they go 7-1 and this year. Uh, Just walk us through what it was like kind of uh, uh, from Staples Motley football from 2022 to 2023. I mean, really, it all started following their uh, postseason loss to Wadena Deer Creek last season. Uh, The team really dedicated themselves to working out in that offseason, getting in that weight room early in the morning before school started, even though it wasn't football season. So uh, it really started right away there. They had a nice football camp out in Jamestown in the summer that they all went as a team. It really uh, brought the team together. And then they just continued to listen to Coach Potter's mantra of a little quick hard, um, be smart with the football, take care of it, Uh, you know, just – really uh, buying into what uh, Coach Potter has to bring. And this senior class was uh, something special to watch. Uh, guys like Ramiro Gallardo, Andrew Salcido, Blake Nealon was a, a force in the backfield. And then Elijah Kloss and all the different hats that he wore, whether it be playing on the offense or defensive line, uh, playing quarterback, wide receiver, running back, he kind of did a little bit of everything for the Cardinals, and it was always uh, fun to see where 65 would line up on a particular play. So um, uh, you mentioned, obviously, success-wise as far as wins and losses from one season ago um, to this one, a big difference. But I'm always interested in what you think, like, what was the defining feature of this Cardinals football team? Obviously, they had a really nice year, played in a section championship. There's more than one quality that gets you to a section championship football game. But but what is the one thing, you know, is it is it on is it something on field? Is it something off field? Like the defining quality of a team that you think maybe was most apparent and led to some of this success? I think just overall toughness. Uh, this team, you know, they got pushed around last year a lot. They were a lot younger team last year. Uh, I think they had a chip on their shoulders thinking, you know what, we're not going to go through the same season that we had last year. We, we know how that feels. Uh, we don't want to do experience that again. So we're, they had a chip on their shoulder, and that's why the work started so early. So I, I would just say a toughness to this team. I mean, uh, their defense uh, really picked it up over a year ago. A lot more hard hitting, a lot better tackling from uh, really all levels of the defense, defensive line, linebackers, defensive backfield. Um, really, just the team just showed a toughness all year. So I would, I would just say this team was really tough. They hit hard. They never gave up. And, uh, yeah, they just kind of, I would say, toughness. And, Tyler, they Staples Motley ran into a really, really good team in Osakis, and Osakis, of course, won the section. They're going to go play Barnesville and Alexandria uh, on uh, Friday night. But, 
you know, how how impressive was it to just to get Cardinal football there at the Fargo Dome? And also personally for you, I, I know you spent a lot of time up in that area and doing a lot of things uh, around the Fargo Dome, but for you to get to call a game in the Fargo Dome of a team you've watched and, and cared about all season long, how cool was that? Oh, absolutely. And I really think it's huge for the program as well. Uh, a lot of those younger kids, the next group that's coming up, they got to go to that game, yes, on Friday and see the Cardinals play at that level, um, just experience that atmosphere and really give them something to work for uh, in the seasons to come, uh, trying to get back to that area. I think it's a really big program starter. I know I've come from Ada Borup, uh, now Ada Borup West, but uh, when we got to the Lara Center, it kind of kick-started the success that Ada Borup West has experienced over the last 20 years. So, I really view this as a really good Kickstarter for this football program to say, hey, you know what? This stuff works. This is fun. Come on out, play some football for Cardinals. Uh, uh, Tyler, uh, for those that don't know, Tyler has called all of our Staples Motley football games on our sister station, The Fan, uh, for the past couple of seasons. And uh, Tyler, I'll just take this opportunity to to thank you for all of that coverage for the last couple of seasons and another good one this year. Uh, you're going to be on tap for some state quarterfinal football later in the week. You'll get to see Parker's Prairie and Minoman Wavin play in the Class A quarterfinals. Uh, we look forward to having you on the call for that as this uh, uh, now state tournament football season officially begins. And uh, and once again, nice job this season calling all those Cardinals games. We really do appreciate all your help and, and the, the great job that you do. Well, thanks for giving me the opportunity. It's always been a dream of mine to call football games. I've produced thousands of games in the Fargo-Moorhead area, but to actually call the games and to get in that Fargo Dome on Friday – uh, really cool experience for me. So thank you guys for the opportunity because, uh, yeah, just kind of a dream, a bucket list type of a thing. And it's uh, a lot of fun, especially with this group of kids to, and uh, coaching staff to get to call games for. All right. Clear your schedule for next fall, okay? Sounds good. I will. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, guys. Bye. That's Tyler Grunwald. He was the play-by-play voice of Staples Motley Football this season over on AM 1430, 98.5 FM, KNSP, The Fan. Corey, there's a whole lot of other football that uh, happened over the weekend and cross-country and volleyball. Uh, Why don't we start here uh, just uh, recapping some of that state cross-country. Do you have uh, some results in front of you here? Yeah, I do. Now, I don't have every individual finisher, so I just want to make sure I clarify on that one that uh, that this congratulation goes to everyone who even made the state uh, cross-country meet that's a really darn big deal um uh, but I want to take a look at team results and then a few individual results that uh, that jumped off the page from State Cross Country over the weekend. We'll start with the Class A boys. Uh, Bertha Hewitt finished third. Park Rapids area 10th. Staples Motley 15th. Individually, Zane Gooder, John of Bertha Hewitt with a top 10 finish. He finished 10th. 
in that uh, Class A meet. CJ, very quickly, uh, obviously your brother's on that team. Uh-huh. Did you get a chance to to get down there? Another just kind of stellar season for that Bertha Hewitt club. Yeah, yeah. No, it's kind of the, the culmination in the last couple of years. I mean, they were uh, ranked as high as second in state throughout the season, so they were a team that getting to the state meet wasn't exactly uh, the only thing that they wanted to do. They thought that they could go down to the state meet and have a pretty good finish, and they did, finishing third uh, overall. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, you need more than one runner, but Zane Guterjohn has had a, a really great season uh, of running. Brady Rock slowed down a little bit this year, uh, just kind of uh, with some bumps and bruises, but uh, still had a really great year uh, for him. And then, of course, there's my brother Zach, there's Preston Miller, there's Kobe Hinsman, there's uh, uh, there's a whole tons of uh, kids, but a lot of those were seniors. So for them to get this run uh, is really cool for them to finish third in state. And I'm sure that there'll be some of those kids on that team because it was really close. They just missed out on second. I'm sure they'll probably look back and think, you know, could we have gotten that? Could we have not? But to still get down to the state, meet and run like that, uh, it's conditions weren't easy. It's a hilly course and it was muddy. And they ran the second race of the day, so it was a little ripped up from that. So, you know, the conditions weren't 100% easy. They still did a good job considering. And, uh, yeah, I mean, shout out to Coach Miller and that program. And they've done a really, really good job. And they'll still be competitive for the next couple of years here. Well, and we've talked about it plenty off the air, too, right? I think the the name we all kind of know from that program is, is Brady, right? Mm-hmm. And and what kind of runner he is, but like you you talked about dealing with some bumps and bruises all season long, and uh, I'm sure all the competition was like, well, thank goodness uh, we don't have to deal with that guy. And then Zane just comes in and says, all right, I'll win every meet instead. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, congratulations uh, to them. Moving on to the two A boys uh, cross country results. Perham finishes second. Fergus falls tenth. Individually, Eli Hall of Pequot Lakes is your 2A champion. Bjorn Anderson of Perham is your runner-up. Moving on to the Class A girls, Staples Motley finishes second. United North Central 10th, Wadena Deer Creek 14th. Individually, Audrey Brownell of Staples Motley finishes second. Kiana Burton of Staples Motley finishes fifth. I believe she was dealing with some bumps and bruises come this uh, state tournament meet as well. And Angeliaho of United North Central finished eighth. Double A girls, Alexandria as a team finished third, Perham fifth, and individually Satori Halby of Alexandria area finished sixth. Once again, congratulations to everyone at that uh, state cross country meet. That is a big darn deal, and I'm jealous of you. <laughs> big darn deal. Also, congratulations to football, as we've talked about before, to Ottertail Central and winning their game. Corey, who's their first round opponent in the state tournament? All right, really good question. Just give me one second. I <laughs> want to make sure I have this exact. Uh, 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 detail uh, sorted out because they will play the Section 2 champion out of that nine-player tournament, Cedar Valley, uh, or Cedar Mountain, excuse me. They'll play on Thursday night at 7 o'clock at Buffalo High School. So uh, remember, in most state tournaments, they seed one through five and then random draw. Mm -hmm. That is not how they do it in football. It is a predetermined um, quarterfinal uh, where they match up sections with each other, and they match up regional sections, I guess, uh, to help cut down on some of that travel. So the Section 4 champ is Outer Tail Central. They'll, t- they'll play the Section 2 champ, Cedar Mountain. On the other side of that bracket, uh, uh, 
the winner will face either Mountain Iron Buell or Nevis. That's Section 5 versus Section 7. Hillsbeaver Creek and Kingsland will play each other. Goodridge, Grig Legatsky, and Fertile Beltrami will play each other um, on the other half. And Parker's Prairie Football, they're going to play Minoman Wobbin at Brainerd High School. 7 o'clock kickoff on Friday night in that matchup over in the State A bracket as well. Uh, a really impressive deal for both the, the Bulldogs and the Panthers. Yep, win there, and you'll get the winner of Springfield and Fillmore Central. And then the other side of the bracket is BBE versus Mayor Lutheran and Bram versus Miniota. But that's not it for us this nope. week as far as, oh, by the way, OTC and Parker's Prairie football, we will have coverage of this week. Look forward to that. We also have some state volleyball on the uh, on the calendar, and you saw a section championship on Saturday night. Yeah, so uh, stop me if you've heard this one before, but Wadena Deer Creek and Purim are playing in a section final game in a double A, <laughs> just like it was in basketball, girls basketball back in the winter. Right. Now flash forward to the fall, and Wadena Deer Creek won the first set, and then Purim won the second set. Wadena Deer Creek ended up kind of fighting through that third set, able to come out and, and get the win there, and then they were just able to run away and take that fourth set to win three sets to one over Purim. The Wolverines now advance to the state tournament for the first time since 2017 when they were Class A. According to Minnesota Scores, Corey, the Wolverines' last state tournament appearance as a two-way team uh, was 2011. That's right. But they've been more recently than that. 2017. Yeah, when they were Class A. When they were uh, uh, a Class A. So, uh, uh, I mean, it's once again this the, the Park Region Conference is well represented at the state volleyball tournament. I've been here for uh, almost 11 years now, and I think we're averaging at least in every other year to have a Park Region Conference team represented at uh, at state volleyball. Yep, they do it good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, their first-round matchup, they were a random draw, and their random draw was one-seeded Southwest Christian. That's right. That'll be at the XL Energy Center. A 1 o'clock first serve down in St. Paul. That game will be right here on KWAD, Corey. That's right. Win or lose, they play again on Friday at 5. Uh-huh. So we'll have coverage of that this week and all week long as well. Good luck to all of our uh, state tournament teams uh, football and volleyball this week. It's pretty darn cool. Pretty darn cool. You know what was pretty darn cool, Corey? Tell me uh, more. To see a fifth-round rookie quarterback come into the game for the Vikings yesterday and look kind of competent. Like, it wasn't perfect, but, like, you could see, like, okay, maybe this guy could at least hold down the fort. And then, That second drive was legitimately like, oh, this is fun. And then he uh, decides to, like, you know what? In college, I was able to roll out and kind of lower my shoulder and get into the end zone. And then he remembered uh, quickly, uh, this isn't college, this is the NFL, and got pushed backwards, landed on his, uh, got kind of whiplashed out with a concussion, and in came the Josh Dobbs era while his uh, extended stay at the Holiday Inn is still probably in effect. Insane. Insane. I noticed um, uh, you worded this as most improbable Vikings victory ever. I've actually spent a lot of time thinking about that question. You and I did not plan this portion of the conversation, <laughs> but I, I've been thinking about this. Um, in I don't know about all time. Maybe their first franchise win is probably the most improbable. But in recent history, it's it's fourth. Yeah. So Minneapolis Miracle, obviously. Uh -huh. You wouldn't tag, tag the miracle term on there if it wasn't improbable, right? Yep. 
And then in whichever order you want to put it, um, last season, 30. victories over Buffalo and Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Both of those were highly improbable. Maybe the Indianapolis one first because they were getting shellacked at halftime. Mm-hmm. And they were at times leading in that Buffalo game. And then this one. In my lifetime, this is probably the fourth most improbable win in Vikings history. Uh, any takeaways, Corey, before we let you go? That was, I mean, it was just chaotic and really f- and and really fun. There's some great stuff that came out about him. He not even knowing cadences yet. He hadn't taken a snap from Garrett Bradbury yet. He barely knows the receivers' names if he does know them. Um, th- this was the first thing I thought after this game was over was, "Holy smokes, was that incredible or what?" And the second thing I thought was. They should make Arthur Smith do the post-game presser and then fire him before he steps off the podium. <laughs> How about shave his mustache and then fire him? That guy needs to be fired immediately. That like, guy- he's got the mustard. At, what's the mustard guy's name? At, who plays running back? Uh, uh, Bijan. Bijan. Bijan Robinson, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> and Cordero Patterson. And they've got Cordero. And they've got – that guy uses no – he should be fired immediately. That was an embarrassing, an embarrassing loss for Atlanta. Yeah, really, really bad for them. But, hey, Vikings, seven seed right now in the NFC. Playoff bound Boom. If, if the season ended today. So, uh, Skull Vikings. Uh, but, you know, ultimately in this – Skull Vikings, let's win this yeah, There we go. There we go. Ultimately – in, uh, in this Vikings win, the most impressive thing of that was the entire Josh Dobbs saga. I mean, Corey alluded to it a little bit. Kevin O'Connell in the headset was basically just telling him what the play is supposed to be. He'd be like, XY, triple right, 395, bingo, banana. And he'd be like, here's what happens. You're going to play action, bootleg to the right. There's going to be a guy wide open uh, on a corner route, pass the numbers, throw it to hit, throw it to number four. And... The, the game-winning touchdown play was exactly that. Like, O'Connell's basically like, hey, here's the route. Here's, like, the read on this play. Throw it open. And the, the game-winning touchdown play was tough because Josh Jobs threw his guy open and also was able to, like, look off defenders and everything. And I'm not going to say that Josh Dobbs is the next Viking starting quarterback or anything, but is he going to be a serviceable backup? I think so. He wasn't perfect. Obviously, he had three. He had a safety, and he had a fumble, and he had an interception. All three of those ridiculously, like comically bad, uh, just watching them. But you also cut him some slack because he's only been here for three days. And he legitimately, there's a video of him on the sidelines practicing, getting a snap from Garrett Bradbury, and him going over the cadence. Like, you know, every football team, you know, green 80, green 80, 180, Sunday, 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 said hut, hut, hut. You know, like they had to, he didn't know that because he was more worried about learning the plays and they were more worried about catching the rookie quarterback up to speed with the starting unit. So he had no time to do this. He had to do it on the fly. And I think the biggest takeaway that you can leave this ballgame with might not be Josh Dobbs related. It's Kevin O'Connell related. We knew that 13-win season last year, we knew the guy could coach a little bit. We knew he at least could be a leader. But not just him being a leader, he kept the ship together after Kirk Cousins getting hurt and after the starting quarterback for your game to, uh, yesterday getting hurt. He kept that team together. And not only that, he coached laps around Arthur Smith of Atlanta. Kevin O'Connell can coach. The Vikings have themselves a really good infrastructure. With Christian Derrissaw, their best left tackle, he didn't play yesterday. And they still were able to win. They have two great tackles. They have a 
they've kind of figured things out in the middle of the offensive line. They have Addison. They have uh, Justin Jefferson coming back soon. They have TJ Hawkinson. They have a great offensive mind in Kevin O'Connell and somebody who can call plays. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's Kirk Cousins or if it's a rookie quarterback next year. The Vikings are in such great hands. They're, this year is murky, but the next couple years, the Vikings are going to be in position to do some stuff. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Monday, November 6th.